Hello, hello, fearless listeners. Are you ready for another episode of Let Fear Bounce? It's the podcast that's all about conquering challenges and facing our fears. I'm your host, Kim Langling, and each week we'll dive into inspiring stories, expert insights, and practical tips to help you turn your fear into your greatest ally. So sit back, relax, grab that cup of coffee, and let's discover how to make fear our bouncing board towards a life filled with endless possibilities right here on Let Fear Bounce. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. This is Kim Langling, your host, and I'm so glad that you're joining me today and my special guest today, Dr. Michelle May. Now, we're going to be talking about nutrition and healthy eating over the holiday season. Now, I've been looking forward to this conversation because myself as a diabetic with an uncommon form of diabetes, this is going to be really helpful to me as well as all of you folks out there listening. So Dr. May, she is a former family physician and recovered yo-yo dieter. She's the founder of Am I Hungry? Mindful Eating Programs and Training. She's the author of Eat What You Love, Love What You Eat book series that teaches mindful eating to help individuals resolve mindless and emotional eating and senseless yo-yo dieting to live the vibrant life that they crave. Dr. May. Thank you so much for joining me once again on Let Fear Bounce. You know, and I had some good feedback and all kinds of downloads and stuff from your last episode. And I was really looking forward to having you on here to talk specifically about eating and craving and how we can look at that in a positive manner and not in an I can't manner over the holiday season. So welcome once again to Let Fear Bounce. Thank you, Kim. So I'm glad we're going to talk about getting away from the I can't. And please feel free to call me Michelle. I shall then, Michelle. Thank you. You're very welcome. Hey, you have a doctor on your name and you earned that. So I always like to, I am respectful of that. I appreciate that. Yes, I'm very proud of the work I did to earn that. But I'm also really, uh, I'm really, I really value relationships. And sometimes the doctor can get in the way. So So, okay, folks, we've got Michelle here, my friend, Michelle. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) We're going to talk about food and how we deal with it today. How's that sound? (laughs) Perfect. That's right. That's right up my alley. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to just toss a question out at you. We're going to jump right into it. Are there, or can you recommend some basic guidelines for maintaining a healthy and balanced diet over this upcoming holiday season, when we're just surrounded by, you know, the yummy goodness. Yeah. You know, I think, um, balance really is the key here. Um, healthy is, a moving target. What is considered healthy one decade is not healthy the next decade. And I've been, I had been dieting long enough to see that evolution. So I really, really focus on balance instead. And I think One of the keys is what you already mentioned, and that is to get rid of these three words, I can't have, because the minute we start saying, I can't have the yummy goodness, that's all we can think about. And of course, during the holidays, it's everywhere. So I think, you know, getting rid of the idea that you need to restrict and deprive yourself of these foods that you really love can help go a long way to finding that balance. So instead, I teach people to use their innate cues of hunger and satiety to guide their eating. So here's what I mean. 
Uh, we were born with a with a built-in fuel gauge. We were born with the body wisdom to let us know when our fuel levels are getting low. And how do we know? Well, our stomach growls, hunger pangs, maybe low energy, decreased productivity, irritability, or hangriness, right? There's all these things that tell us that our fuel levels are low. And so that is a beautiful time to eat. Now, of course, many of us are food suggestible. We feel like eating when we see food. And so that becomes a problem around the holidays because there's food everywhere. It's in the break room, it's on the buffet table, it's in the commercials and the stores and the, and the parties, it's everywhere. And so if you find yourself constantly popping food in your mouth, just insert one little step. Whenever you feel like popping something in your mouth, just pause for a moment and say, hmm, am I actually hungry? Am I hungry? And what that does then is it, it helps reorient your, your attention to your physical needs versus all of the yummy goodness as to use your words that's out there because it's going to be there all season long. And in fact, in our abundant food environment, it's available all year long. And I think when we stop depriving and restricting, then we are much less likely to eat everything we can get our hands on and spend the whole season feeling full, guilty and regretful. And then the whole new year feeling deprived and powerless by, because we've had to start another diet. You know, I like how you said before you pop something into your mouth, pause, pause before the pop. <laughs> yeah. Pause before the pop. Ooh, there's a title. <laughs> yeah. How fun that is. That yeah. title for you there. Exactly. Pause before the pop, you know, and you just mentioned something uh, saying, you know, ask yourself, am I actually hungry? And you and I had talked before uh, last time you were a guest on, on my show, we talked a little bit about this, this wonky form of diabetes that I have. And I was saying at the beginning, oh, I can't have that. I can't have that. And I no longer say that, but I also have found myself saying, you know, am I really hungry or is it just a craving because I miss eating that? Am mm -hmm. I, and I ask myself, and that really does for me anyway, it does stop me and it does make mm -hmm. me, you know, rethink and I'll be like, no, I'm not hungry. Kim, no, you don't need that actually. Yeah. You know, and then I yeah. usually will go get a big drink of water. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, and you know, just, just to be clear, I'm not, I'm not saying if you're not hungry, you can't eat. I mean, you think about somebody, you know, who doesn't struggle with food, who eats whatever they want. They sometimes eat when they're not hungry. They eat because they're bored or maybe because grandma made it or it's something really special. The difference is they don't have to eat it all just because they blew it. They don't have to go on a diet or feel guilty after they eat something. And so as a result, they can eat a cookie or two and then stop because the cookie has never been put on a pedestal. The minute you start saying, I can't have fill in the blank, it's up on a pedestal and it actually has power over you. That's not what we're looking for here. We're looking here to be in charge of the decisions we make with food. And that's an interesting way to look. I had not thought about that when you, if, when, or if you're saying to yourself, I can't have, 
that you're actually elevating that object or piece of food onto a pedestal. Yeah. And when you do that, of and course, giving it you... power. Over exactly. You. Yes, exactly. As soon as it's up on a pedestal, that's what you're thinking about. I mean, you have to, because if you're telling yourself you can't have it, you have to continually monitor your environment to make sure that it doesn't enter your mouth, you know? Right, and right. so when you stop saying I can't have, then it's just food and you get to make a decision. And you are much more likely to make a moderate decision to, you know, have a cookie or two, which, you know, with even people with diabetes can have a cookie or two. It's, it's the, I can't have, and then the binge on the whole plate of cookies that gets people into trouble. I'm just saying. <laughs> I hear <laughs> you saying. too. <laughs> I hear you. No, there are, there are times where, and for me, I, you know, I, I love cookies, especially chocolate chip for whatever reason, that's my favorite. And I make them, I still make them. I make them with less sugar and with a different type of flour. And I do what I can to make them a smidge healthier for me. So I can still get that, you know, feed that little craving. But um, there are times it's like, you know, I just feel like eating five or six of them. <laughs> right. And, you know, uh, you know, that's the I thing. Is I don't, but you want to. You know, yeah. So. <laughs> well, and there, and let's, let's insert a pause there too. So, right. so maybe you, you want to pop something in your mouth, you pause, you say, Hmm, am I really hungry? And the answer is, yeah, I am a little bit or no, I'm not, but I really want these cookies. So you decide to go ahead and have some cookies and then you eat one or two, and then you want a third one or a fourth one. Pause again. Pause. Yes. Pause again. Am I still hungry? How am I going to feel if I keep eating these? Because right now they're tasting good. I'm enjoying it. But there's an invisible line that we can cross where we're eating something that we really enjoy and silently it moves into discomfort or even misery. And so part of mindful eating is becoming more conscious of that invisible line so that we can eat what we love and enjoy it stop before we feel uncomfortably full and regretful. And so that's a little bit of what awareness can do for us. And, you know, and I found it's, and it's a journey. It's, it's definitely a journey for, you know, everybody's and everybody's journey is different for mine. And, and it's a lot, you know, you gotta have, you have to have really, you have to have good willpower. You gotta have strong hmm. willpower. I think willpower for me anyway, because sometimes I'll be like, yeah, I want those four cookies. And then I'll eat one and say, Kim, you don't need more than this one. Yeah. You literally don't need more than this one. Your sugar's going to go crazy if you eat the second one. Mm -hmm. Do you want to feel yucky? You know? Yeah. So, and, and it, to me, for me, my journey, it yes. was, um, it was a mind thing, you know, and I have to train my brain to right. think differently and to look at food differently. Um, yeah, I get that. Although I'm personally not a big fan of the word willpower or the implication of willpower. And this is probably just because the whole reason I got into this field and left medicine was because I had yo-yo dieted and had disordered eating for more than 20 years of my life. And so willpower was how I, you know, managed my eating until I couldn't and it didn't, wasn't able to use willpower. And then I would eat everything and then go back to using willpower again. 
So a different way to think about it, if for people for whom that doesn't work, it sounds like it's working just fine for you, is to think instead of trying to control your eating, you're just in charge of your eating and subtle, but being in control is willpower. It's overcoming. It's, you know, constantly, um, you know, wielding uh, the power over whatever it is, your will, your food, whatever. And instead being in charge is conscious decision-making. And I'm hearing you say that you're making decisions constantly. I really want that cookie. In fact, there's four of them there. I really want them. I eat the first one and I think that was really good. I could eat another one or three more. And I choose not to because... I have this diabetes and I really want to manage it. I don't want the long-term complications. I don't want to feel bad afterward. So I could have three more cookies if I wanted. I choose not to. So that's not willpower. That is being in charge. That's conscious decision-making in my book. No, I'm glad you you laid that out like that because I had not looked at it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because we're, we're all raised in diet culture. Diet culture is the belief that there is some magical combination of food and exercise that will put everybody at some certain arbitrary healthy weight that people are in charge of what they eat and, and how much they exercise and then how their body weight responds that um, you can manipulate your health simply by changing what you're eating. I mean, that's what diet culture, that's diet culture's messages. And although there's a kernel of truth in all of that, the, the overall paradigm that, that you can, you know, just manipulate all of these factors and, and determine your own body weight and your own health is really incorrect. And so Diet, one of diet culture's messages is that it's all about willpower. So it's not at all unusual that you and others would be thinking that this is a matter of willpower. It's not though. Um, willpower, so willpower as a as a human characteristic is actually a limited resource. We use willpower when we don't yell at the sales guy that calls us on our on our cell phone, when we don't, you know, run somebody off the road who cuts in front of us in traffic, swim naked, I don't know, whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> yeah. we use willpower all the time right. just to get through our lives, just to do our work, just to, you know, schedule a podcast and, and show up on time. That takes willpower. And so by the end of the day, our willpower resources are depleted. And if we're trying to use willpower to manage our eating, we may find ourselves saying, oh, what the heck? You know, it doesn't matter. I can't do it tonight. And this is why the most common time that people, my clients, my coaching clients, and my workshop participants tell me they struggle with eating the most in the late afternoon and evening. Your willpower is depleted. Your stress level has reached a crescendo. You're tired, et cetera. And so if you're trying to use willpower to manage your eating, no wonder these are the times you struggle the most. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think that all of that would even be, you know, exacerbated with the holidays coming up. 100%. You know, Um, so with that being said, we do have the holidays coming up right around the corner. Can you recommend healthy 
alternatives, and I know this is going to be different for everybody. Do you have any recommendations for healthy alternatives to traditional holiday snacks? Well, I'm probably going to give you a very untraditional, non-traditional response to this question, but uh, that's what I do. (laughs) So I'm not a big fan of substituting foods by and large. Uh, Now, me personally, there are some things that I have found I enjoy just as much that are, that make me feel better, that are maybe healthier overall. You already mentioned some, some things you've discovered for yourself when you're making chocolate chip cookies, et cetera. But I'm not a big fan of fake food. I'm not a big fan of, you know, trying to back in my diet days, you know, it was uh, eat a rice cake, you know, instead of whatever. Oh, come on. You know, that's not a substitute for anything except except a styrofoam right. cooler, you know. Right. <laughs> so I, I so here's what I would substitute this with is. If you're not hungry and you're eating because you're stressed out or overwhelmed or lonely or, um, you know, just searching for the memories and the, the simpler times of childhood that you associate with the holidays, then if you're not really hungry, then a better substitute than some fake food would be to do something that helps meet those needs. So if you are feeling stressed out, maybe this is a great time to take your dog for a walk and look at the Christmas lights in the neighborhood. Or maybe this is a great time to light a fire and make a hot, hot you know, cup of uh, tea or cocoa and, you know, curl up with a great book or get into a hot bath. You know, if you're lonely, reaching out through your through Facebook or your social network or texting a friend or family member. I mean, you know, ultimately, a lot of the problems that my clients struggle with really aren't about the food. And we could talk about substituting food, but the truth is they're eating for reasons other than their body's needs. And instead of substituting food, let's substitute what might really help meet those needs better. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. I, and I agree 100%. Again, you're, you know, I, I love talking to you because you help me look at things differently from a different angle. Yeah. And then when you're sitting there thinking about it and listening to you and I'm thinking, well, does that make sense? (laughs) Right. Right. It's, it's a very, it's a very simple concept. It's not when you're in it, it's hard to see outside your bubble. That's exactly right. That's That's why you do what you do. (laughs) That's why I do what I do. That's why I do what I do. And it's why I love what I do because a lot of times by the time people get to me, They've been struggling with these issues for a long time and they don't know why. They just think I just need to try another diet. Uh, January's coming. I'll just, you know, I'll sign up for something new. And, you know, for now it's the holidays. I'll just eat everything and then I'll make up for it in January. Ah, yuck. Why feel all of November and December stuffed and uncomfortable and feeling guilty? And then all of January feeling deprived and wishing that you could eat at least one cookie that you, uh, that you, uh, ate five of in, in December. I mean, it it doesn't make sense. So somewhere in the middle is in the middle between being out of control and then trying to get in control is being in charge. And, and that's what I help people do is to figure out how to find food freedom 
by moving away from this rule-based good food, bad food, I'm good, I'm bad, self-control model of eating that really doesn't work and hasn't worked for decades. We've been doing this for decades and it's not working. I'm going to, I'm going to switch just a little bit when, so you're sitting down and you're eating at the holidays or, you know, you've got those, those Christmas party dinners, you know, for work or your husband's work or whatever you're running around, you're stressed, you're tired. You're probably hangry most of the time. And then you're faced with nothing but all of these incredible appetizers and sweets and treats and really heavy meals, you know, what is there a good way or is there a way for the conscious decision making see i'm trying to use the right terminology you are you're getting you're picking up on this so fast kim two <laughs> conversations and you're getting it so the <laughs> conscious decision making when you're sitting down and you're out you're not at home you didn't make your own meal how how to look at your plate and how even though it might be given to you full you mm-hmm. know if you're at a restaurant or something you really don't you can't make the portion sizes the way you want. They're going to give you that full plate. And when you get that in front of you, that Mm -hmm. I think to me would be more difficult to make that conscious decision where it's like, okay, I'm going to split this part up because it's all right in front of you and given to you that way. So do you have any tips on how to deal with that? Because that that's a real issue, I think going. Mm -hmm. And I just remember going to all these Christmas parties and dinners and you're handed a full plate and down the middle of the table is nothing but snacks and sweets and all kinds of things to nibble. Right. Well, so you're you're going to probably not be too surprised that my answer is it's not about self-control. It's not about controlling portion sizes. So the difference between what I'm talking about here and most of what you hear out in the world, especially this time of year, is I'm talking about an inside-out approach. Most of what you're going to see on TV and social media and articles about healthy holiday eating is an outside-in approach. How many calories? How much is on your plate? How much should you eat? What else can you you know, skip earlier in the day? How many minutes on the treadmill to burn it off? I mean, it's all outside-in. So here's the inside-out answer. Before I sit down to eat, I'm going to pause and say, am I even hungry? And if the answer is yes, and you said, yes, I'm, you're probably even hangry, which is true. This time of year, we're running around, busy, putting off eating because we got a meal to go to. So you may say, yes, I am definitely hungry. Now, how hungry you are is the next thing to check in. And so this is kind of like checking your fuel gauge before you fill up at a gas station, right? You're not going to you're not going to try to, you know, fill up your tank if your if your tank still has a quarter left in it or whatever. So it it's sort of that analogy of okay, I am a little bit hungry. If you are a little bit hungry, how much food do you need? A little bit, a little bit. Now, if you are really, really hungry, famished or ravenous, you might need more food, but the size of your stomach doesn't change just because you're famished. Okay. And for people with, you know, for all of us with our blood sugar and especially people with diabetes, the capacity for your body to store glucose is, is, doesn't change just because you're really hungry. And so what I tell people is, 
when you're really, really hungry, it doesn't mean you need twice as much food or more than the usual amount of food. When you're really, really hungry, it just means you need to eat soon. Okay. So when you sit down, slow down, eat and try to let your blood sugar come up slowly. So you start getting some, some glucose in your brain so you can consciously decide. So, you know, this is a little beyond what we're talking about here, but carbohydrates raise the blood sugar the fastest and the most. And so maybe if you're going to have a little carbohydrate with your meal, eat that first and allow your blood sugar to come up. So you're starting to make conscious decisions about what to eat and then proceed through your meal slowly checking back in with yourself. Now, here's a tip that I really like that helps. And that is to build a speed bump in your meal. So what I mean by that is let's say somebody serves you a plate of food without making a big to do about it. You can discreetly put a dividing line in half, maybe push the chicken over a little, the rice over the green beans, the stuffing, the whatever, push it, push it to the side. So you sort of have a, a, a subtle speed bump proceed through your meals slowly. And when you hit that speed bump, pause again, put your fork down, talk a little bit, maybe get up, get another glass of iced tea or whatever, and then check back in. Okay. Now how hungry am I? I am getting, I'm starting to get full. And I know from experience, I'm usually even more full 20 minutes after I finish eating. I don't think I actually need the other half of what's on my plate. Maybe just a few more bites will do it. Right now, maybe you, maybe the speed bump isn't halfway down the middle. Maybe you divide each item in half. It doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is you're creating an opportunity to pause and check back in with your body to decide how much more you need to eat. When we clean our plates in our abundant food environment, we are always going to eat more than we need because the serving sizes are too large. It's more food than we want or need. And, you know, if take it home, have it for lunch tomorrow. And if that's not convenient, just realize that you're not wasting food when you don't eat it. When you eat food you don't need, you are wasting it. Because you're just not going to, you're not enjoying it. No, no. And then, and then of course you cross that invisible line right. we talked about earlier, and now you're uncomfortable and regretful and you're too tired and sluggish to enjoy the rest of the event or the conversation or to drive home safely or, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's, you don't, you know, there's consequences to disregarding your body's satiety signals. Awesome. Awesome advice today. This has been awesome. I love having you on and I want to have you on again. <laughs> we should talk in January when everybody is, yes. is starting their new year's plans. Okay? I was just going to say at the beginning <laughs> of the year, sometime when everyone is feeling blah and uh -huh. bloated, bloated and blah, the double B. <laughs> well, hopefully, hopefully they won't. I, and I'm not even kidding this, you know, I've been doing this now, believe it or not for 24 years, I've been personally doing it for 24 years and teaching other people. And, and I'm telling you that eating the right amount of food, and I'm using air quotes there for those who can't, who are just listening, yeah. eating the right amount of food, isn't about being good. It's about feeling good. That is an inside out approach. If you don't feel good after eating, your body is giving you feedback. 
you were either eating mindlessly or fast, or you were, you know, eating because you were sad, mad, glad, stressed, or bored, or you were um, telling yourself you would never get to have turkey and mashed potatoes again, which is ridiculous. You can have turkey <laughs> and mashed potatoes and even stuffing any time of the year. I mean, if you feel overly full and uncomfortable, just check in with yourself. Huh? Where did, where did I get off track? When did I stop paying attention or why did I do that? And of course, that's what I help people do is, is start to, to be able to, uh, you know, I'm outside their bubble, but right. I've been inside that bubble before. So I can help people see where they're struggling and why. And you're providing such practical, easy advice that like I had mentioned earlier, once you say it and I hear it, I'm thinking, well, goodness, that's just simple. Why yeah. didn't I ever, but again, I'm in my own bubble. So sometimes right. we need that unbiased opinion coming in. And I, so I'm so glad I had you on the show again. I, I really like how this, the speed bump visual, cause I'm very visual and yes. I love it when people paint pictures for me so I can carry them in my head. Cause that will, that will stick with me more than sometimes a lot of other stuff. Yeah. So that, painting that picture of a speed bump, making those little spaces on your yes. plate. Yeah. And like you said, it doesn't have to be noticeable to everybody else. It can be very subtle, but in your brain, that's a speed bump. And when you see it, that that's your time to pause. How yeah. simple and easy, what a simple, easy tactic that doesn't make you feel bad and doesn't make mm -hmm. you feel self-conscious because other people might be seeing what you're doing. That's right. Oh, I can't have that. It's not on my diet. Oh, I wish I could. Yeah. Who, yeah, who, wants, right. to, who wants to do that all through the holidays? Well, nobody does. Gosh, nobody does. So no, this is awesome. Thanks so much for being my guest again. And it's perfect timing for all those folks out there with Thanksgiving right around the corner. I hope that uh, some of the tips, actually, I hope all the tips and stuff that you heard on here today, folks, are helpful to you. So uh, Dr. May, Michelle, I apologize, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> Uh, as such as last time, I like to ask my guests at the end of each episode, if you would toss out a nugget of hope for our guests that they can tuck away and carry with them for the rest of the day. So what would your nugget of hope be for our listeners today? Oh, you can do this, but don't do the same old thing, right? If it hasn't worked every other holiday, it's not going to work this, this holiday either. Just Think about being in charge instead of trying to be in control because ultimately you want to feel good. Awesome little nugget. So tuck that away, folks, and carry that with you into Thanksgiving and the following holidays, the whole season. Thank you again, once again, Michelle, for being my guest on Let Fear Bounce. This is just Well, if I can help you, look for me on amihungry.com. Absolutely. Free stuff there to help you out. Absolutely. Yes. And all of her uh, information folks will be in the description and in the show notes. So be for, be sure to check her out and her books are available on Amazon. Share the titles of your books real quick. Eat what you love, love what you eat. How does that sound? Perfect. <laughs> eat what you love, love what you eat. I have one for diabetes. I have one for students. I have one for people who struggle with binge eating disorder. And then the gold one is for people with yo-yo dieting, which is most of the world these days. Well, then you've got, you've got uh, a book for everybody out there. Pretty much covers everybody. Just about, just, just about. about. Yeah. Awesome stuff. So be sure to check that out, folks. They are all available on Amazon. Check out her website as well. Again, it's in the description and we'll be in the show notes. Thanks everybody for being, for tuning in to another episode of Let Fear Bounce. And again, Dr. May, thank you so much for being my guest. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Thank you for having me. I appreciate it, Kim. All right, everybody. This is your host, Kim Langling of Let Fear Bounce. Everybody be well, stay well, and be blessed. And that is a wrap, my fearless friends. Thanks for bouncing along with me on another episode of Let Fear Bounce. I hope you're feeling a bit motivated and ready to take on any challenge that might come your way in the coming days. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode of Let Fear Bounce. Tune in each week for your dose of inspiration from my amazing guests from all over the world. So until next time, keep bouncing forward and stay fearless, my friends. Everybody be well, stay well, and above all, be blessed. Have you asked yourself who's going to take care of your pet should something happen to you? Well, I've got an answer for you. The do-it-yourself pet estate will kit that gives you peace of mind that your family pet will be cared for when you are no longer physically able to care for them. With easy step-by-step instructions that guide you through the task of completing forms necessary to add your furry loved one to your existing will. Visit KimLangleyAuthor.com to find out more.